0: Support for The Facing Project comes from Behavior Associates. The BAI team of professionals are dedicated to enhancing the lives of individuals with autism, with services tailored to meet the unique needs of each individual. BAI, the proud presenting sponsor of The Facing Project. Learn more at behavioraba.com and 765-282-8-ABA.
1: I'm J.R. Jameson. Today on The Facing Project, I sit down with number one New York Times bestselling author Kathleen Glasgow at her home in Arizona to discuss writing for young adults and the themes of teenage depression, addiction, and self-harm that are often covered in her sought-after novels. Stay with us as we explore writing tough topics for young adults. Kathleen Glasgow is a number one New York Times bestselling author, but she's also a national treasure, and a mold breaker, and someone whose body of work I've read every word of, and plan to do so with any and all of her forthcoming books. When her first book, Girl in Pieces, came out in 2016, i never read anything like it before. The protagonist, Charlie Davis, is a teenager who struggles with self-harm while trying to find peace and love and joy And a place to call home. It's a story that most teens can relate to. In fact, one year before its release, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention conducted a study with 65,000 high school students in 11 US states and concluded that nearly 30% of teenage girls and 10% of teenage boys self harm. Girl in Pieces told the story head on in a compassionate and sensitive way that provides hope and understanding. Her other books, How to Make Friends with the Dark and You'd Be Home Now, cover depression, anxiety, and grief. And her latest two novels, The Agathas and The Night in Question, co-authored with Liz Lawson, is a mystery series and steers a bit away from her normal topics, but keeps the pages turning in a fun and haunting way. Earlier this month, I sat down with Kathleen to talk about her work and writing tough topics for young adults. Due to some sensitive content, listener discretion, is advised. Kathleen Glasgow, thank you so much for joining me on the Facing Project radio show.
2: I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Absolutely. Okay, before we jump into our convo, I have to add a small disclaimer that you and I have the same amazing literary agent, Julie Stevenson. Love her. But I've been a huge fan of your work long before Julie was our mutual connection. In fact, I remember the first time I picked up Girl in Pieces. It was a YA book like I'd never seen before, cover and all. I absolutely loved the feel of the cover, the look of it, and I just couldn't put it down. The reader has dropped into the life of Charlie Davis, a teenager who struggles with self-harm while trying to find peace and love and joy and a place to call home. You've talked publicly about the girl on the bus who inspired the story, but it's a story that you weren't looking to write at first, but one you couldn't not write. It took nine years and 14 drafts. Tell me more about why you decided not to give up on the story.
2: Well, first, let me say um, that I started out as a poet. I was getting um, an MFA in poetry at the University of Minnesota and publishing in small literary magazines. And all my life, I had wanted to be a writer, and I had settled on poetry as my genre of choice. And people had come to me throughout my life, and they would see uh, my scars from self-harm, and they'd say, they would say, would tell me, oh, you should write about that. People would like to know about that. And I would say, oh, no, no. <laughs> no one wants to know about that. And I saw a girl, when I was going to my job at the University of Minnesota, a girl sat down next to me on the bus and she was about 15 and she had fresh scars on her arm and when she saw me looking she pulled down her sleeve and I didn't say anything and she got off at a stop and I never saw her again but I never stopped thinking about her because like a really visceral thing happened to me when I saw this teenager on the bus I was transported back in time to me being that teenager going through self-harm and depression and feeling utterly alone in the world and I thought about her for a long long time for weeks after that and I I thought I was the adult in the situation I should have said something to her like you know you you aren't alone and it it is okay you you will get through this it's okay how you feel right now Mm -hmm. I like I like giving myself tasks as a writer and I thought I, I think that I might have a way to write about this encounter with the girl on the bus or things that had happened to me when I was that girl on the bus and I just you know because you're a writer you have mm-hmm. ideas like things come to you and you're like I am going to write them down mm-hmm. so I thought I am going to write them down and you've read Girl in Pieces, and I would say that the writing style of it, especially in the beginning, is very poetic, mm-hmm. It comes from my background. And then it expands out into more of a, I would say, a, a conventional narrative in some sections. But I, I did not know how to write a book, and maybe that was what helped me, was not knowing how to write a book. I had never written an all. Mm-hmm. I've read lots of novels, and I know how they're written, and I know how some are structured, but I didn't actually know how to write a novel. But I just started, I just started writing. I'm just going to write things down. And and I just, I kept writing. And because Mm -hmm. I didn't think anyone was ever going to see it, like I didn't have notions of, I'm going to get this novel published, and it will go out into the world. Like I didn't think about those things. I was I was mm-hmm. doing something personal for myself to see if I could do it. And I just started writing. Mm-hmm. And because I just started writing and I didn't think anyone would see it, I said everything I had to say about what it feels like to self-harm and to be that person and to feel that alone in the world. And I I was just completely honest about what it's like to do those things and feel those things because i didn't i didn't have anyone telling me that's not appropriate or you shouldn't put that in a book i just didn't mm-hmm. which is really in most senses how how everything should be written like you shouldn't feel like you mm-hmm. have someone over your shoulder telling you don't do that because you're trying to create art and you mm-hmm. don't know what's going to come out of that process and it took me so long to write the book nine years because you know, I was writing it. My mother died. I had like kids. I had a job. Writing takes as long as it takes for whatever Mm -hmm. you're writing. And you have to give yourself permission to take that time. And you have to give yourself yourself permission. Like I did realizing at some point, well, this is actually turning into a novel and not Mm -hmm. just a poetic exploration of these difficult topics and so the drafts changed it was Mm -hmm. the begin the first couple of drafts of the book everything that had happened to charlie davis had already happened like the hospital had happened and riley had happened and it was after all of that and then about the fourth or fifth draft is when my mother died and like Mm -hmm. my whole world like cracked open i was the last like Glasgow girl, like in our family, she was gone. I felt utterly alone and orphaned and I didn't write for a year. And when I went back to writing, reading what I had done, I realized that I was being afraid of telling the truth in this book. And Mm -hmm. I, I realized with the character of Charlie Davis, that she had to feel, she had to be, physically and emotionally, utterly alone in the world. And she had to feel as orphaned as I did in that moment without my mother. Because as you know, in the book, her mother rejects her and sends her away. Mm -hmm. And so I took all of the stuff I had given her like friends and supportive parents. And she even had a brother in the early drafts. I took all of that out and I Mm -hmm. started over and I put her on the hospital lawn. And I, mm-hmm. and in that moment, things clicked for me because I realized if anyone at, was ever going to read this book, that those readers who needed this book, who might be going through those same things, they felt as alone as I needed to make Charlie on the page.
3: Mm-hmm. Even if
2: they were in a house full of people and had like two parents and like siblings and friends, they still felt like they had no one. And I had to make her have absolutely no one in the book at the beginning of the book. Mm-hmm. And, and from, that, from that draft on, what you read when you read Girl in Pieces now, that's what happened from that draft on.
1: Mm-hmm. And that opening scene of her on the hospital lawn pulls, I mean, it pulled me right in to that. Because you're right, that feeling of abandonment. And you open right with that, that feeling of wonder. Where am I? Right. and then somebody, How did I get here? Yeah, someone seeing her. I also love how you don't really have chapters in the book. I love how it just flows naturally. Was wow. that in, was that intentional or
2: that was from from that from that draft on from like the fourth or fifth mm-hmm. draft on. Um I don't remember. I didn't know how to write a novel. And so chapters felt weird to me like as a poet like oh, i have to end now and start a new chapter like that's that's removing like my flow (laughs) to be like you know very creative about it and i and i thought i'm just gonna write this in parts like here's Mm -hmm. the beginning and like literally here's the middle when she where she's thrown like into a new place in tucson and she has to figure out how to get by in the world by herself and you have Mm -hmm. to get a job and you have to find a place to live and you're trying to like connect with people when you've never really been able to connect with people. And then the third part and that, and that really, that like works for me as a writer. Mm-hmm. I think that in my later books, I've kind of figured out chapters, but I really do prefer like just three parts. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it, that, that works for some readers and not all readers, but it, it like for me as a writer, like that is probably where I'm most
1: comfortable. And it works for your protagonist. I mean, as I'm reading it, I mean, our life, even though we talk about chapters of life, our lives really are not broken up into chapters. They really are more broken up into sections. Yeah. And it's this flow and things are not neatly wrapped into a chapter. So I, I actually appreciate the flow of it in that way. At first as a reader, I'm like, okay, I need a bathroom break. Like when am I gonna get up and do this? Right. I usually and I'm like following the chapters and when I do that. But then once I got into the flow of it, it made so much sense. And I felt like that book could not have been done any different way. I you know
2: I agree with you. I don't I don't think that, that book I don't think that, that book would have um resonated with so many readers in quite the same way if it had been like if it had been in chapters
1: Mm
2: -hmm. i think it's to be a long drawn out like emotional and very like sensory process of reading the book
1: mm -hmm. yeah well beyond girl in pieces most of your books do take on tough topics and themes Mm -hmm. how do you balance telling that story without triggering or re-traumatizing a reader well
2: i one i don't i don't I can't be responsible for every reader. Like, I feel like one nice thing about this day and age of reading is that if you're looking for a book and you're like, wait, what is that book about? You can can look it up and you will find all the things that that book is about. And someone has like listed all the possible trigger warnings and you can figure out whether that book is right for you at that time or not. Mm -hmm. I I tell readers who are like, I want to read that book, but it makes me really nervous to read in pieces in particular. And I, mm-hmm. I will tell them, you know what? If you're nervous about a book, you don't have to read it. There's mm-hmm. so many good books out there that you can read instead and you should read them. You shouldn't yeah. feel like nervous or scared to read a book like in, like in a, in a mental health way, you know, like we feel nervous or scared mm-hmm. reading horror and it's like, okay, go ahead. Cause you, you're actively looking to get scared and creeped out. And I'm like, yeah. something. if you feel like it's very tenuous with your mental health, Read something else because there there are other books that you can read that are equally good, and and mm-hmm. just go towards those. But you know, it it was like I said, I didn't I didn't have like a censor when I was writing Girl in Pieces, and I and I did tell myself I wanted to be as honest as possible about it. I I write about tough topics. You know, How to Make Friends with the Dark is about grief. It's about a teenage girl who loses her mother suddenly. That can, have, that can be a big trigger for people. Mm-hmm. But the things that can trigger some people that means it's a book that they probably shouldn't be reading is also a solace to other people who mm-hmm. say, I am grieving and I want to read this book about grief or I am going through self-harm and I feel ready to read this book because it makes me feel less alone. Like I, I love reading difficult books because mm-hmm. of those topics too because I have been through everything that my characters in each of my books has been t- through to a certain extent and I I like reading those they make me feel better like someone understands and it's in a fictional universe and it brings me a great deal of like hope and comfort to read these books I do try to be responsible um with the topics that I talk about but also those things happen in real life and there's no there's no way to sugarcoat like the death of a parent and how it makes you feel or no. you know what it's like to be have issues with mental health and what that's like for you to move around in the world. Those things happen in the world and to act like, you know, teenagers shouldn't read books about this is basically denying their human right to discover things about themselves. And, mm-hmm. and that's wrong. And it's also denying experiences that many of them have had or are going through. Like, you can't pretend that bad things don't happen to children because they Mm -hmm. do. They do.
1: And we'll talk more about bookmanning here in a moment. But first, we need to take a break. So you're listening to The Facing Project with J.R. Jameson. And I'm joined today by number one New York Times bestselling author Kathleen Glasgow. And we'll be back after a short message from our sponsors.
0: Support for The Facing Project comes from Behavior Associates. BAI provides behavior-based interventions to all individuals with behavior programming needs to enhance their quality of life. Behavior Associates is the proud presenting sponsor of The Facing Project. Learn more at behavioraba.com and 765 8 aba
1: You're listening to The Facing Project with J.R. Jameson, and I'm joined today by number one New York Times bestselling author, Kathleen Glasgow. Let's go back to our conversation about book banning. We left off right at the tail end of that before we took our break. Books that seem to be needed the most by teens are often the ones to be the first banned, especially books with LGBTQIA themes and those with characters wrestling with their mental health. Do you think this current craze to ban anything varying from center will pass?
2: Um, I hope that it passes. I hope that it passes. Um, I think Politically, we're in a really bad situation with it. You have a very small group of people trying to make decisions for um, a very large group of people. And I think trying to deny access to books for kids, especially kids who come from marginalized communities, is a way of denying their existence because you don't think that they should exist. That's really what it comes down to is trying to... um, trying to cut out the existence of so many people in this world. And I I think it's despicable. (laughs) And I Mm -hmm. think more people need to get involved. Um, School boards are being taken over Mm -hmm. by politicized actors. Um, You run for your school board, go to the meeting, make a speech, write a letter, make your presence known. I want especially all teenagers out there to know they can go to school board meetings and they can make their voices heard. And when you're 18, you can run for the school board yourself. Mm-hmm. You can do that at the age of 18. Run for the school board. Make your voice mm-hmm. heard. You, the one thing that we all have in this world that belongs solely to us that no one can take away is your voice. Make it heard however you can. If you're shy, write a letter or just add your body to the group of people who are protesting. The more people who get out there and have an active voice, we can take this back. We can take it back. No one, no person should be able to tell another person what they can or cannot read. And it's about denying access to information to live a happy, healthy, joyous life or information that could help you become the person that you need to be. That's what books are for. Mm -hmm. No one gets to tell anyone else what they get to read. And as a parent, you don't get to tell me. What my child can read or not it's a library that is mm-hmm. a public source of like information and service for people and it's free and you this is like what i'm so like i don't even have an articulate response because i'm so incensed mm-hmm. by what is happening you tell you start out with children and the first thing that you do is you read stories to them and you sing and now you tell them at a certain age, but you can't read that. Don't read mm-hmm. this. You can only read this, and that's the one way that you get by in the world is by reading. It's so fundamental to your existence as a human being. It's the first thing that you you learn to do after you learn to talk. You get mm-hmm. your voice, and then you read. And to deny that to someone is so like incredibly horrendous. To me. Mm. Like what is happening? And they're really, I want to know your thoughts, because this is just really, like, I, I am so at a loss that we have come to this place.
1: I am in agreement with you. I feel like you can absolutely hate a book and not want your kid to read it, but you can't tell your neighbor that their kid can't read the book if they want their kid to read that book. And that's just basic fundamental principles of (laughs) parenting, of understanding, of growth, of of all these things. And to put someone's mind and what they want to read and their escapism into this place, whether they're reading it for solace or they're reading it um, to learn something new, to try to take that away is really imprisoning creativity in a way that I find not only disturbing, but uh, I I'm really worried about our future. How do you clear your mind as a writer? How do you separate yourself from the stories that you're telling to recenter yourself?
2: I don't know that I can't separate myself from the stories I'm telling because like there's a little bit of me in every book. And I don't it just gives me great like, comfort and joy to write the things that I do. Mm -hmm. I really like writing. Even Mm -hmm. if I had never been published, I would still call myself a writer. You don't. if you're writing, you don't need anyone's permission to call yourself a writer, you're a writer. You know, same way if you're painting or making art, you're an artist. Like writing is my, it's my thing. It is the thing that I have loved more than anything else in the world. And it's the thing that makes me the most happy in the world. And that makes me feel the most me. So I will, I will never stop doing it. And it, it is the thing that brings me like the most peace. Like I'm creating something like I can't, I can't wait to really start writing and get into a new book and explore this world. And that it brings me solace.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: You know, I'm a, I'm a creative person like that has always been, my outlet for whatever like personal pain that I might be feeling. I, I am that person who's like, I do think that art can be a healing thing. I think
3: Mm -hmm. that
2: if things have happened to you, I think that you should start journaling. Like I said, that's your voice. No one can take it away from you. I think you should start journaling and have that space for yourself to say whatever you want to say about whatever is going on with you. And if you want to write songs, Write songs about it. If you want to paint, if that's the way you can get it out, like do it. And if you wanna be a writer,
1: write it down. What other pieces of advice would you give to an aspiring writer who might feel like their topics are too controversial to get published?
2: I think that first and foremost, your your creative responsibilities toward the story, it's to you. I mean, write what you want to write. Right? Write mm-hmm. what you want to write mm-hmm. because First and foremost, you're satisfying um, that creative need inside yourself. You can't really think about the other things. Maybe there are some things that are, and there are some things that are very controversial to write about. And some things, of course, that I I personally would never feel comfortable like writing about or putting on a page, even in a fictional world. And that's for you to decide. You write Mm -hmm. the thing that you want to write. And then if you land a book contract and you get a great editor, they will hold your hand through the things that they think maybe should not be in the story because they're not actually helping the story and, in fact, might be detracting from it. Or they'll tell you, this isn't really what the story is about. Here's what the real story is about. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just think mm-hmm. that you should, not, you should not hold yourself back, one, because when you're first working on that, that thing that you're working on, your first responsibility is to yourself as a creative person, mm-hmm. to tell the story that you know you got it. You have to get it down, and it. You know, I mm-hmm. think that you know, you know, as a writer, even like for you as well, when you go back through and you read things, you see you're like that doesn't belong here, right? Yeah, and so you're like, I'm taking this out, like mm-hmm. this doesn't fit somehow, or it's too much, and it mm-hmm. it has to go. And then you're refining, and I do also think that through the drafting process, there is a thing where you you find the actual story that wants to be told, whether it's mm-hmm. fiction or memoir.
1: Well, I am thrilled to read your next book. Is there anything else that you can share with our listeners about what's next for you?
2: People often ask me, like, is there going to be a sequel to Girl in Pieces? Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is no. And I know that people are like well, people want to know that charlie stays in that good place that she's in at the end of that book and i will just say that she does but there's Mm -hmm. no more there's no more to that book like i i feel like i ended that story where it needed to end Mm -hmm. but i will say that well i'm not writing a sequel i am taking a character from that book and it's louisa and i'm going to write louisa's uh teenage story wow so it's sort it will sort of be a prequel, but Charlie does not show up in that book. It's all Louisa's story because there's a lot mm-hmm. about Louisa that, that I felt excited about writing about. hmm
1: hmm So I'm excited to read that too, because I know you get that question often about girl in pieces. And I'm I am fascinated to learn more about Louisa. Yeah. yeah. Kathleen Glasgow, number one New York Times bestselling author, thank you again for joining me today on The Facing Project.
2: Thank you for having me. It was amazing to talk to you about all things writing and life, and I can't wait to talk to you again and to read your
1: book. Same. Thank you so much. Learn more about Kathleen Glasgow, including books and events, at KathleenGlasgowBooks.com. To listen to past episodes of this program, visit indianapublicradio.org slash The Facing Project. From there, you can subscribe to the podcast where you'll get episodes of The Facing Project delivered to your device each month. Or just ask your smart speaker to play The Facing Project on NPR. Listeners can contribute stories or volunteer to share the stories of others that may appear on the show. More information at facingproject.com. To continue the conversation about this episode, find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Facing Project. The Facing Project is recorded at Indiana Public Radio at Ball State University in beautiful and wonderful Muncie, Indiana. It is produced by the amazing producer and audio engineer extraordinaire, Sean Ashcraft. The show is distributed nationally through PRX. I'm your host, J.R. Jameson. And until next time, I wish you the courage to share your own story and the empathy
0: to listen to others. Support for The Facing Project comes from Behavior Associates, the BAI team of professionals are dedicated to enhancing the lives of individuals with autism, with services tailored to meet the unique needs of each individual. BAI, the proud presenting sponsor of The Facing Project. Learn more at behavioraba.com and 765-282-8ABA.